have I got a story for you. It's about a man whose daughter's birth brought about a sense of love and responsibility he had never felt before, which led to him quitting all sorts of illegal, addictive, and dangerous shit that he'd always done before. But first, a word from today's sponsor, POTS. We've been watching a lot of Naked and Afraid around the office lately, and I've got to tell you, it's giving all of us a renewed sense of appreciation for basic cooking tools. Sure, it all starts with fire. Indisputable. Pots concede that point. But it ends with what's in your pot. Are you really trying to cook food on top of rocks or on the side of a hatchet? Who wants to feel rugged and tough putting a stick through the center of their protein of choice? How would vegans survive with tofu staying on that bitch? I mean, it would just drip, drip, drip straight into the fire. Pots are here to keep your food clear of the fire. They are the ultimate middleman because they change nothing for, they charge, fuck if I could just read, they charge nothing for their service. And we haven't even gotten to the versatility of boiling water and eating out of a pot hobo style yet. Give your next meal a go without any pots or pans and wait, what? is the difference between a pot and a pan. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you asked. See, a pot has two distinct handles on opposing edges that are used primarily for liquids due to to the height of their sides that rise perpendicular to its base. Pans have a longer, slender, singular handle, less volume capacity compared to their counterpart, in part because of their lowered angled sides. However, they do typically maintain a superior sizzling surface area due to the larger circumference. Man, I got to be honest, I think we got the right sponsor. Versatility, kids. It's the word of the day. And POTS. That's right. POTS gives it to you. Fry a steak, make a soup, sanitize river water. Every other meal type in between can be concocted in a pot. POTS. Cooking all your kitchen needs in one convenient place. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You Pod. The support has been amazing. We honestly weren't sure how this was going to go. But fucking 28 episodes later, we are over 600 downloads. Please continue to support the pod and all its guests. Friend and follow all of us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Take a second and do it now while you're listening. Then go to Spotify or Apple or iHeart or wherever you push to play and subscribe and rate the pod. All this encourages us to keep finding different, unique people to get to know. It gives us, to our guests anyway, what the kids would call street cred, yo. It's a terrible fucking voice. God. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you. Putting it my way. I'm smart enough. You are precisely and doggone it. On today's show, we are getting to know another Sean who I just cut off mid-conversation because I was like, shit, man, we're talking and I haven't even started the record button or the podcast yet. So Sean, thanks for waking up and coming on the pod, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem. You you actually got you, you're going to get the best of me today because you're the first of nine uh, interviews that I have lined up today. So shut the fuck up, dude. Nine interviews. Yeah, 
What I ske- I schedule everything on Thursdays and Fridays right now because I'm busy the other part of the week. So I, you know, when my scheduling page and I send people over there, man, the, it, it just gets stacked up quick. I had to move, I actually had 10 and I had to move one to, to tomorrow. Cause I'm like, dude, there's no way I'm going to do 10. Damn. Nine is pushing it for me. Yeah. Jesus. So do you just, are you like a stand up comedian where you just have the same shtick and you just like, you're on repeat or are you going on a bunch of like different topical things? Um, well, yeah, it's different topics for guests that call in, you know, like, so I talk to different, uh, authors about their books, um, you know, maybe in some of the life struggles that they have, but for the most part, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty free form, you know, it just, the conversation goes where it goes. I'm going to focus on you and why you're here. Tell me what you need to tell me, but I'm going to chime in every once in a while as I relate to your story. And sometimes I won't because I don't even, I don't relate to your story. So I'm just going to let you roll with it until <laughs> I find something that, that I can, uh, you know, work with and, and banter back and forth. So it's just really, it's an, it's an organic thing. I think it's a, it's better to do it that way. Cause it's like what we're doing. It's just, an, it's a, it's a get to know you conversation that, you know, can be interesting. Yeah. I don't. And I think I'm, I went to that format cause I was like, shit, man, I don't have the um, intellectual depth to just focus on one topic and be like that topic, you know, I'm very shallow, very shallow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I learned that when I actually, uh, uh, interviewed somebody who was a higher caliber kind of guest and had been used to getting interviewed by, uh, actual journalists yeah, and, and people knowledgeable that, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People that know how to interview. And so, you know, he kind of schooled me a little bit. He was cool about it, but it just, it really, it really uh, kind of pulled my covers because here I am thinking on this, you know, ah, I'm a podcaster and I, you know, I, I, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. I'm getting all these guests. And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, this dude burst my bubble, like, Hey, uh, can you ask me a question? You're just like going around in circles and not right. asking me anything. <laughs> yeah. I, um, that actually happened to me once starting off. I, um, and starting off, like I'm not starting off in, right now anyway. Um, but, uh, b-ball breakdown guy who, um, is like has a legit YouTube thing. He does um, NBA breakdowns of players and points out particular things and tries to do like a contrasting thought of like, oh, current opinion is this. Well, here's actually the truth. And he'll put up a YouTube video and he's like, yeah, man, a good day. Uh, 200,000 views on the first day. You know, we're kind of sad if it's under 100K. And you're like, fuck. So he's legit. He's talking to NBA people. And um, I, I couldn't believe that. He was like, yeah, I'll come on. So you could tell he was so used to doing like the segments that it wasn't like a conversation as much as it was like, ask me a question, get like a little soundbite that you could use for like a minute clip. And then we'll just keep going through that till you can't, till you stop asking me questions to get me into segments. And it was odd. I was like, I felt inept. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, it was, uh. It, it it really it, it, it was a, a gut check for me because you know but you need those right. you know that's the only way that's the only way you're gonna grow that's like you know whenever you're you're uh, trying to be better at a sport you know playing with the same caliber of, pe- caliber of people that you are really doesn't help you progress in your sport you need to you need to step it up and, and play with people that will challenge you you know and force you to to get better so it, it's not a bad thing to step outside of your comfort zone like that yeah. but see i've always been the opposite i want to play down so like if i'm i'm 510 so i'm looking to ball with people who are like 52 
and I'm just looking to fucking <laughs> dominate, and I want everyone to think I'm the best, and then I'm an all-star. And then Lord help me if like varsity wants to come in. I'm like, nah, man, I'm done. Ankle, yeah, yeah. ankle. I'm good. Yeah, got my run in. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 five ten. You know, and you're playing with uh, guys that are five six and five seven, and on a on a eight foot rim, no and you're just with, jamming with a, on with them with a every girl's time. ball, and I'm fucking palming that bitch like I'm Jordan, tongue out and everything, <laughs> ball fakes. God, I'm just sad. It's what I do for to boost my self esteem. <laughs> hey man, whatever works, you gotta do what you gotta do, yeah, right? No doubt. Um, so. With the podcast thing, nowhere to go but up. Your logo, um, to me, is fucking pretty cool, man. Um, if people haven't seen it or don't see it or whatever, you're basically like sitting in a hole <laughs> in the ground, and you're like, eh, expression on the face of the uh, logo. Um, did you come up with that? Are you an artist as well as a talker? No, no. What I did was is I like I had this idea, you know what I mean? And that and that logo, it kind of encompasses sort of everything that I've been through, you know what I mean? Cause at that time I was doing keto, I'd been to jail, you know, prison, uh, all this stuff. Cause you can see the prison bars in the background and it kind of fades, you know, from the bottom there's, there's the prison and all the bad stuff that was in my life that, you know, the, the different, uh, you know, text things. And then as it fades up into my life now, it, it's all the good stuff. The bars are gone. I'm in a hole. I'm looking up. Uh, Dude, that's yeah, one. It, it's one long ass headphone cord. I'll tell you that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, you know, I had this idea, and I went to uh, Upwork, and I, you know, uh, I wanted it as a caricature, not not like any kind of pictures. And right. So I just I just hired a, a independent uh, person to to do that for me, and I just kind of gave her my ideas, and that's what she came up with. Yeah, dude, it's fucking, um, it's some legit art. So the podcast logo, you're, you went to an artist and you explained it and this is just how they visualized it, huh? Yeah, this is what she came up with. And I was like, dude, this is awesome because I mean, I can, I can, and then she made a, a whole bunch of other stuff for me, like, uh, uh, renditions of it for posters, for uh, mugs and for everything. So like if you, oh, if merch. you follow so you're yeah. going to go the merch route. Good for you, man. That's fucking tight. No, you can even go check it out right now if you want. You can go to my link tree. Did you did I ever send you one? Uh, I'm kind of scared to go on the internet now when I'm talking to you. <laughs> to crash again. Um, I can't. I don't think so. The one thing I got from you was this long ass, and you probably, I think you sent it to a lot of people, this message about the, I forget. It was like, oh, read yeah, the 28th yeah, Amendment. That stupid ass thing. That stupid ass and like, thing. That came out of nowhere and I was like, Jesus, that's way too much to read. <laughs> Dude, that was a that was a, a a brain fart at like fucking five o'clock in the morning. I got this thing and I got I got duped on this one. All right, so this 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 is a this is an example in um what do they call that uh something bias? Uh, oh, confirmation bias. Yeah, confirmation bias. So here's what happened. I get this post from a dude that I used to I I used to sell cocaine for back in the day, right? But we're still <laughs> we're still friends and. Uh, we won't really talk, but he's just like one of those acquaintances that you have in your Facebook. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, he, he sent this thing and I started reading it and like everything in the first like couple paragraphs is like, Oh my God, this is totally something that I agree with. And without reading the rest of it. Oh uh, yeah. 
I, I, I went and I was like, I got to share this with the world. Everybody should know this. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got to doing that and somebody kicked me back something like, uh, Hey dude, this is, uh, something about Trump. And I went through and I looked and it said, president Trump tells you this. Cause if I'd have read that, I would have been like, Oh no, I'm not sending that out. Um, you know what I mean? Not that oh, I, yeah, there I don't, it is. the Trump rule and it's a, it's not in bold. So it's not a headline that would pop because the, nope. the font's all the same. But Trump, just to put you down a little bit, Trump is in all capitals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even see it either. So the Trump Rules Congressional Reform Act of 2017. So is this a real thing? No, it's not a real thing. So that's gotcha. why that's why I sent the retraction out like, hey, I apologize. And, I, and, and the apology wasn't supposed to include the whole thing again. I, I thought that I had deleted it because I was on my phone mm-hmm. and uh, not yeah. my computer. Right. So you know how that goes. When you're on your computer, you don't make hardly any mistakes. But when you're on your phone, yeah. no, so shit true. works a little bit differently. And so it sent the whole thing back out, plus all of the yeah. all of the the fact finding uh, the links that I was putting in there that you know you can check, back check stuff. Gotcha. And so I was like, oh, my God, you know, it, it was just yeah. such a, a horrible uh, morning. Just a cluster, <laughs> a clusterfuck of information overload. Yeah. Well, and it's like, dude, I don't want people to think that I'm a Trumper. I mean, I. Well, yeah. And like, know. I don't know, but I'm reading some of this shit. And like, so like you can't get salary when you're out of office. Like that kind of no tenure, no pension. A congresswoman collects a salary while in office and receives no pay when they're out of office. I've always, and I've never gotten that deep into politics. And I honestly don't know how the fucking country can send everybody $1,200 while we're wicked in debt and just say like, oh, that's fine. Keep, keep giving money. I don't get that. But these people do like you fucking become a representative. You do get some sweet ass perks basically for the rest of your life from what I understand. Yeah, well, I mean, that, and that's part of the problem that we have. I mean, you know, you shouldn't, there, there shouldn't be career politicians. I mean, it wasn't designed that way. It was designed for you to come and serve as like somebody would serve the country in the military. You know what I mean? So, you know, so if you want to be in the military and serve your country, you go and you, you do your time, you know, your four-year stint, whatever it ends up, you know, uh, being. And you come back in and integrate into society. Right. That's the way it was set up for politicians too. You know, you come, you know, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, you're somebody, you know, bartender like AOC. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that did you know that that was like a casting call that she answered? For, That's how that was set up. Casting call for what? To be a politician. Shut the fuck up, dude. No, seriously, look it up. Uh, no, d- it, tell me about this. So like, I, I don't, I don't know enough about it. But that's just what I've I've heard, and I've heard it through a couple of different podcasts that I listen to. Uh, one is the uh, Tinfoil Hat with Sam Tripoli, and uh, another one was uh, uh, the Conspiracy Farm, which is Pat Militich, the UFC fighter, and this other dude named uh, uh, Gregory Wilson. Greg, I think I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I that's what I heard. I, I read about it. Like she answered some sort of a call, it is and they on, were looking for something. I mean, dude, all this stuff is just is fake. It is on Reddit. Now I don't know. She was yeah. I don't know. I want to read. I do bad. I, I'm trying to get better at the whole like read shit and look shit while you're talking to people. But yeah, Reddit AOC got her seat by answering a casting call she auditioned for, 
and snoops.com, an actress <laughs> calls her AOC, an actress playing a congresswoman. Is she an actress playing a congresswoman? The claims made by Mr. Reagan and the brains behind AOC viral video illustrates. Wow. I'll have to look into that. Yeah, that's something where I feel like I can do a better job with my time is going down conspiracy rabbit holes. I feel like that would be fun. <laughs> well, you know what? So this ties into, you know, the, when I was in prison, I, I was in federal prison. Uh, one of the places that I had had the pleasure of stopping through. Um, <laughs> uh, there was a guy that uh, wrote the book called Bloodlines of the Illuminati. And he was a published author, uh, wrote a bunch of other books as well, but he was in there and I, I would, I would walk the track with him almost every night and we'd talk for a couple hours, just bullshitting. And I'd just be in, in awe listening to this dude's stories. Bloodlines of the Illuminati author was in federal prison. Yep. His name was Fritz Springmeier. Insider trading or how did he wind up there? Or was it part of the Illuminati's plan for him to be in there? Yeah, he got kind of set up. He got too close to something, and and uh, they set him up with a bank robbery. And it's like, dude, why does this dude need to rob a bank? He's a published author. He's, you know what I mean. He's got a life. I mean, it, it just didn't make any sense. Wow. And so, and then, and then, whenever he would start talking about it, because he would get a, he would get in as a, a teacher uh, and teach the GED courses, right? Oh, and so he. He had gotten moved from uh, New Mexico or Arizona, some prison down there, a federal prison down there, because uh, he was talking about his case and, and talking about the Illuminati and, and all of this stuff. And they moved him. Every time he would start talking about something, they'd move him to another place. Holy shit. That's fucking <clears throat> crazy, dude. Oh man, there's a, there, there's a, there's nothing is ever as it seems in this country. Expose the people and families who are movers and shakers of the United States and the entire world. Eighty nine percent of the people, Google users, like it, dude. So I was reading a history book about the form of the country, and I really started thinking like, um, there was a Clinton family in the fucking late seventeen hundreds that was really anti United States and all about sovereignty of states. And like, it fucked me up. I'm like, wait, did the Clintons that I know actually come from these people? Like, is it the same bloodline? And then my mind goes like, who are fucking Washington's like great, great grandkids that are just connected beyond connections in America? You know, they, like they have to be around here, right? Well, that's, that's the thing here. here, here. So when people in politics, they're all families, right? They're all, they're all wealthy families. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a club basically, you know, you're not going to, if, if you're a rich and wealthy person, just look at how, how country clubs run. There's, you know, there, there's levels to the stuff, you know, you, you know, if you haven't graduated to the next level, you're not going to get in there. And so like the Clintons, dude, they were, Hillary's dad was a, uh, if I, if I, if I'm not mistaken, he was a gang, a gangster. He no used way. to run. He used to run moonshine. So I mean, it's not. So like all the stuff that you hear about, you know, the Clintons and people dying around them. She had. She. She was. She. Her dad was a was a gangster. So that doesn't. It's not too far out of the realm of possibility that she learned a lot of that shit from him. Yeah. Right. Holy shit! I didn't know that either. 
Yeah, I mean, so it's just, it's really crazy, man. And and the problem is, is that, you know, these, we, we the people, we, the people mm-hmm. have let it get so far out of control that it's, it's a runaway freight train now. Nobody knows how to reel it back in. The government has so much power and it's gotten so big and is full of these career politicians that know how to manipulate everything. And the corporations are really what is running this country. It's not, it's not the politicians. The politicians are not working for the people anymore. They're working for yeah, the, the lobbies, corporations. Right. Yeah. The funding. Um, I find it for the, well, I'm sorry to cut you off, man, but I find it funny that like the federal government is this like huge entity. Right. And like, that's the top, the president's the top of the top, but like all the decisions are for Corona and opening keep getting kicked down the hierarchy. It's like, yeah, we're going to let the governors make that call. And then it's like the governor's like, ah, man, you know, we'll, we'll find sections. We'll let the mayors make that call. And it's just, you, the lower you go in politics, the more unpolished the politician is like listening to some of the mayors speak about stuff. And I'm like, who are these people that are making health decisions? Shouldn't it actually be the government saying we have like the best scientists? If you go to like Nantucket or a, a local mayor in the middle of America, like they're not going to, they shouldn't be as like well-educated and have the resources that the national government should. So shouldn't they be the ones mandating it? Isn't that why we have a federal government to like be the best? It's theater, right? That's all it is. It's theater. Uh, it's, it's, and, and so what you're going to see that comes out of this Corona thing. So all of the, all of the governors that are doing a, a stellar job right now. And, and who, and who do they keep talking about? Who does Trump keep mentioning? What names keep coming out of his mouth? One is Gavin Newsom, right? From California. You hear him saying that name all the time. That is true. Another, another one is Cuomo. All yeah. right. And, and the people are actually talking about Cuomo as like, you know, this guy, you know, so there, here's these two governors that are, are stepping up to the plate, so to say. All right. And taking control of their their uh, their states or cities or, you know, wherever, yeah. wherever they are. So I think that this is kind of like putting they're putting these names out there and you'll you're going to see these people as as uh, presidential candidates at some point. I guarantee you. Um, and then and then you have the. Uh, yeah, it's just dude, it's, it's, it's so it's so much theater. It's it's not even funny. You know, and it's it's really just getting people on board, the masses on board with a with a, a front man for yeah. a band. <laughs> poster boys, fucking poster boys. Yeah, it really it is because they don't make any of the decisions. The decisions really in, in on the federal on the on a on a national level get made by the by the Congress and the Senate. They're the only ones that have the actual real power. And so. That's why they will never make, you know, they have this thing where, you know, people want to see term limits and, and all of this uh, reform. Dude, they're not going to reform themselves. Yeah, that's, I mean, you, yeah, you would need a, like a revolutionary party to go in there and like, who fucking votes to give yourself less money and less benefits? Like who wants yeah, to be that I, guy bringing that shit up, you know? Yeah, that, that's not going to happen. So that's why they that that's why there's a big movement right now that's you know, going for a third party, and I don't think we're going to see any traction in it uh, this this cycle. But uh, come 2024, you're gonna you're gonna start seeing you know hopefully a third party rise up. You know whether it's libertarians or uh, you know you name it, but 
the 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 covers are getting pulled. They're very blatant about what they do now, and it's really hard for them to hide now because the internet really didn't. You know, they they everything is at your fingertips. You know what I mean? So you can get you can know any information. Yeah. Something happens. You know, the news cycle used to be a week maybe a week and a half. Now it's instantaneous. Yeah. There is no like Friday afternoon dump, you know, cause people are just so plugged in with follower with people that they follow or even what, like, I don't know. But at the same time, the information is so vast that it's almost easy to get lost in it because there's too much to process. And that's why they have, that's why they have dis- disinformation campaigns to confuse everybody. Right. So the disinformation is really in conjunction with the fact that it, it's the, it's the opposition to, to the fact that we are able, that we are instantaneous. So they throw out all kinds of disinformation. So you've got so much information coming at you that you don't know what, what's real and what's not real. Right. And so what do you do? You just like, well, fuck it. This is way too much. I'm going to go, I'm going to go look at something else. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Let me go find some videos of cats or animals doing cute things. Yeah. Right. Now I feel good about myself. (laughs) So yeah, it's um, just this, it's just this, this theater that, that is meant to, you know, discourage you to, 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 you know, having you discouraged and tuned out is, is better is what they want because then you're not paying attention to what's happening. And yeah. if you're not paying attention to what's happening, then you're probably one of those people that is watching CNN or MSNBC where it's uh, programming you and it's all about a narrative. Yeah. Well, it's that- a for-profit narrative. That's what people are forgetting too. And I don't know when that changed, man, but these are fucking corporations with bottom line stocks and based around ad revenues and the hosts want to get fucking paid. Like, I don't know what Anderson Cooper or Don Lemon's or Cuomo's um, salary is, but if fucking Mike Greenberg can make $6.5 million on ESPN, pretty sure Anderson Cooper's doing very well. And like, how do you, how do you make that much money on fucking an hour a night TV show? Right? Like you yeah. got to have some serious sponsors and ad revenue, man. And that's, what's driving the narrative of news. It isn't truth anymore. There is no journalistic truth behind it, at least not on those corporate places. I don't think, I think it's all fucking money-based man. And it's, how do we keep people in? How do we keep views up? How do we keep clicks coming in? And all right, cool. Now I can make more money. And think about who owns, who owns the media. All right. So where does most of the media get all their information from? The AP, the Associated Uh, Press. Okay. (laughs) So it comes off the AP. Oh, it came off the lines. It came off the AP. It's a, it's a special report. Right. All right. So go deeper. Who owns the AP? What umbrella company is above that? And so when you get down to who actually owns the, the big part of the media, it's one of these big, big uh, old, old families. It's uh, either, I, I don't know if it's the Bilderbergs, if it's the Rothschilds. It's one of those. I think it's the Bilderbergs own the media. And then you have another faction that owns the financial uh, world, which is the Rothschilds. Or I may be getting them mixed up, but you get my point. No, yeah. And I never thought about that either. So uh, Melvin Stone, according to Encyclopedia.com, founded the Associated Press in 1892. So you have all of these, like, there's the 1% and then there's the half a percent that's above the 1%, yeah. the half a percent of the, of the 1%. Right. 
So it's the richest families in the world who are controlling everything. I mean, they, 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 they own everything. They've got a piece of everything. Right. So the, you know, the thing that I noticed in the history book that I was reading again is like, why was it so hard for the country to come together? Because fucking, if you're out in your field in Georgia, you could give a fuck about what's going on in DC. Like it has no effect for you. I got my 150 acres. I'm self-sustaining. I'm just grinding here. I might care about my town a little bit, but I, I really don't. Right. And I really didn't give a fuck about politics until like coronavirus. And now all of a sudden I feel and maybe I was always limited, but I feel like, man, you're really fucking limiting a lot of things. You're, you're mandating limits on me. I don't know if I appreciate that. Like, why is my fucking, I used to go for dogs with my dog on the beach. Why can't I do that anymore? Why? Like you're fucking closing down the beach. Why can't the cops that are closing it down just maybe monitor to be like, Hey, you're sitting with 20 people, get the fuck up and go. Oh, Hey, you're jogging and exercising and like getting your stress out. Cool. Keep on, man. Like, so now I am starting to kind of fucking care. And have you, have you always been like a, yeah, I fucking care about these politics or is it just hitting you now too? No, I started paying attention when I was in prison because that's where, that's where I was starting to see, especially when I got into the federal system. Cause when I was fighting my case, there was people in there. So you meant the war on drugs. Uh, remember when all that shit started and it was the Iran Contra, uh, it was all back at Oliver North and Reagan and they had the Iran Contra thing and we were trying to fight the, the communism and, and, you know, the Sandinistas and like all, all this stuff that happened around there, free Ray Rick Ross, uh, back when the cocaine was getting flooded into the inner cities and crack cocaine just first came up, came out, um, all of that. Like I was wrapped up with some of these, the, the, so like the, the byproduct of that, right. Um, I was, uh, locked up with these guys They were, uh, rolling sixties, rolling forties or rolling sixties Crips. And they were from LA and they got Rico'd. Um, and I was talking to these guys cause they were fighting their case up in, in Vegas. Cause that's where, I don't know why, but maybe that's where they got arrested. Um, but anyways, I was talking to a lot of them and, you know, how the government operates is just crazy. You know, you had some of these guys that, yeah, at one point they sold, you know, they were selling crack or selling cocaine and, and whatnot. But, you know, there were some of them that it was five years after they'd gotten out of doing all of that. And they'd actually, you know, were turning their life around and some, you know, piece of shit decided that he was going to give, you know, give their name. and just that alone landed their ass in, in jail and fighting a case. Like and so literally just somebody trying to lower their sentence saying, Hey, it was Tim. Yeah. I had, I had sold to this guy. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, so you got your client list. It's almost like finding your, your receipt ledger. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well in, in 2003, I sold a pound to this guy and you know, I sold a pound to this guy and this guy, and so all of those people got, you know, rolled up in this. And when you, when you get a conspiracy charge, it's really hard to fight. And, you know, these guys, they thought that, well, all right, well, there's no, this is, there, there's no evidence. You don't have any drugs. You don't have anything. And so they really thought that they were going to be able to fight the government. And, and, and you're you know, trusting, they got, they, well, I'm also thinking out loud, like, dude, you're also trusting the word of, I'm assuming someone who's also a criminal. 
right? Yeah. Like like somebody yeah. who's doing some shady shit as well. Why why are we assuming like they're truth telling? Yeah, and so these guys really thought that they had a chance to to beat their cases, right? So they you know they got offered a 10, 10 year deal, uh, you know. And they were like, fuck that. I'm not going saying yes to 10 years. Right. And so they, they went to the box and they went to fight it and they ended up with like 20, 22, 25 years. Holy shit. And it, and it was like over some ghost shit that, you know what I mean? There's no evidence. Right. And so that's when I started to see that, uh, it's just like, it's dirty. It's a dirty game. And then I, you know, and as I was, you know, being transferred from, you know, state prison to federal, uh, to federal prison. I went through a, uh, a prison town in, in Florence, Arizona. Uh, you can look that up and there's like nine, eight to nine different private prisons in this town. Huh. And so, I mean, private prisons, that's when I, I didn't, I didn't even know what a private prison was. And right. I was like, private prison. What do you mean? And, Dude, they had people from Alaska there, from from all fifty states, doing time, and as a contract to to these prisons, and then so, who owns these prisons? Well, a lot of the politicians that we that that are in the national uh, national scene have holdings and and uh, have stocks and 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 shit that are in there. So they're incentivized to keep people coming in because then you just get to hire, you get to charge more, you get to even fucking steal money on item lines. You know, you put an extra 10 grand in for a hammer type shit. The war on drugs, where do you think a lot of them go? They go to these private prisons, man. Right. They need to they need to keep arresting people. And so the the it was just it's just like a factory. You know what I mean? And they figured out a way to to capitalize on that. Sure. And I'm not I look, and to all your listeners. Dude, I'm just some dipshit, you know, ex-con felon, you know, that, that you know, blue collar dude. Like, I don't, I'm not super smart about anything. I just <laughs> watch patterns, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. I pick up on, on things and like, you know, certain things that happen and just like this, this situation that we're in. Dude, this is, this is no, in my, in my personal opinion, this is no different than 2008. Just a different, just a different boogeyman. 2008 economic collapse yep oh well because think of it think about it how many do five million people lost their homes right and we bailed out so not only not only did we bail out the 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 companies that were stealing these homes yeah yeah right (laughs) you know what i mean which really was what it was it was a it was a consolidation of of wealth and you know all of the poorest people who didn't that weren't smart enough to be able to read the fine print and just were happy to be able to be homeowners. Yeah, right. Finally, you know what I mean. And and weren't educated, like we're not educated as people when we go to the public school system. They don't teach us about compound interest. They don't teach us about any of this shit. They need us stupid. No, they, dude. They wow. So that um, I was actually talking to a, a actress up in Canada yesterday, and um, I told her. The two thing, if I could redo a math curriculum, so I got a little bit into um, swing trading and stock market stuff, and I was reading up on it, and I'm I'm an idiot. And what you're saying about fine print is a hundred percent applicable to my journey in stocks with what a variable rate interest loans and com- how like how much you actually pay for a home if your monthly payment is this and why you want a fixed rate and all that shit, right? Like stock market's the same way. You start buying stocks, man. You don't know how to read that information. 
you think you got a good stock because like it has a good rating and all of a sudden that bitch drops and you're like, what the fuck happened, right? So the curriculum I would love to see in math class is stocks and gambling to teach kids about, <laughs> about like just interest, about what, how do you roll money in, about like what is a safe bet, about like ratios and trends and using graphs, you know, spotting winners, what are odds? And I'm like, dude, I bet you just talk about fucking real life shit. Either where do, where do people typically end up in gambling states? Like you're going to fucking play the lotto. If you're poor, a lot of people play the lotto or try to gamble. And if you're well-to-do, you're buying stocks to become more well-to-do. Like, like it'll give you an up if you want it, or it'll help you maintain where you're at if you need it. And I'm like, dude, I really think that shit would be an awesome curriculum for kids. Yeah, I mean, it would, but I mean, it doesn't benefit. So the people that run the country. Yeah, you got to buy right, the books. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't benefit, you know, these companies and these corporations to, to have you smart. Right. You know what I mean? It, it, they need most of the people dumb. So because, and, the, and the majority of the people don't, I mean, just look at it now. Just look at how many people fact check anything. Yeah. We're a lazy society. Yeah. Even though and, it's all right there. Yeah, man. So I watched the big short, that movie. I'd actually just watched it like um, a couple days ago on um, quarantine. Are you familiar with the big short, that movie? It's about, the- I am. Yeah, I am. I, I watched it a couple times. Yeah, dude, talk about and like, who knows how fucking real and Hollywood up? Like, wh- where is the reality line and where does the Hollywood line start stop? But that movie does a fan fucking tastic job about like, wait, you can buy bonds on bonds on bonds, and we're just making up stocks based on stocks and betting off of. There's one scene where it's like, I'm gonna bet about your bet about their bet about him winning. And it's like yeah. six bets removed. And you're like, how the fuck is that a stock? How is that being sold? But it, but yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like a hundred side, side bets on the original bet. Yeah. And like, that was the stock market. You're, you're, that's like mortgages. And you're like, holy shit. Who's fucking being okay with like, you make 40 grand a year. Yeah. You can own two homes. Like the, how did that pass the say it out loud common sense test? I, I, I never got it. Well, there's, there's no, there's no oversight. There's no, right. you know what I mean? It's, it's, you know, you have these, these, whatever you want to call them, man. They just, there's, there's no regulation to them because it doesn't, it doesn't benefit the people who it's benefiting to have regulations on them because right. they're the ones that are writing the rules. Yeah. So here's something, here, here's something that's going to be funny. Uh, it may be funny. It may not be funny. It depends on what <laughs> side of it you're on. <laughs> um, so, here we are. Everybody's not working. Uh, well, most of the people aren't working. I'm not essential. Uh, I was lucky to be able to get on disability before this all happened and, or when it happened. And, uh, but for the majority of people, you know, if you have a home, you have mortgages, you know, you want that relief, right? You're calling in, you're, you say, Hey man, you know, I'm having trouble, you know, pay my mortgage this month. Can I, uh, can I, can I get the, can get the payments deferred? Sure. You can get them deferred. Uh, We'll, we'll defer them for 90 days. And then at the end of that 90 days, uh, that whole amount is due plus the fourth month. Oh, shit. So let's just say you've got a $2,000 mortgage. So now you're telling me at the end of three months, in the beginning of the fourth month, I now owe you 8000 I couldn't fucking afford to pay you. That's why I'm doing this in the first place. Yeah, right. So... You know, we're going to see we're going to see the same thing happening again, uh, just in a different way. 
people are going to start losing their homes again. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be as bad as the last one, but for the for the folks that aren't educated in in and how to and don't understand some of these things, they're they're going to find themselves uh, out on the street. Yeah, I wonder and, if it's going to be regular people or it's going to be like the Airbnb buyers who thought they could just snatch up condos and homes all across the country and just like continually rent them out to cover the mortgage and profit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't because know if it's going to be like it's going to be like that. But I, I just mean, can't see I a mean, court. Just, I, I just, just can't see the courts dealing with evic- handing out eviction notices because of Corona unemployment. I, I feel like the PR would just fucking th- there'd be a revolt. I, I feel like people are like, all right, man, you overstepped your uh, income ratio, so you bought a couple extra homes, or, or you went out of your market. Like that's a you thing, right? But dude, you got unemployed, and now you're going to get evicted. I, like that's not a you thing. That that was the Corona thing. I, I can't see. I I can't, I can't. I just don't feel like the government's that fucking evil. Where the dude serving the warrant would actually kick people out of their homes for not paying a mortgage due to mm. Corona. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, there's going to be like we're in the honeymoon. We're in the, we're in the honeymoon phase of this thing. Like yeah. this is the easy part of where we're at. That is true. You know what I mean? That you, we don't we don't even know what the financial implications of this is going to be. You know, uh, nationally, who knows? Nobody knows yet. You know, right. where's all this money coming from? Where's you know, the twelve hundred dollars stimulus? The you know everybody who's on, uh, if they can even get on unemployment right yeah. now because you can't even get through in California on the website. Oh really? You know, yeah. I mean, it's just dude, it's it's crazy. So I mean, there's gonna there's gonna be I don't know, man. I don't, it's going to be, it's going to be weird to see how this all plays out. But I mean, if they do start kicking people out of their homes, you will see a revolt. I guarantee you. Yeah. I I mean, I, again, I just can't, um, I I can't see locally because that's eviction is a very localized process when you go through that paperwork. And like, I just can't see people across the country being like, Oh shit, you lost your job. You didn't pay your mortgage during Corona. You have a history of like, paying all of a sudden you weren't able to pay for whatever six months get the fuck out like i can't see some judge being like going to bed at night knowing like okay i kicked out a bunch of people because of corona just can't see it can't can't see the sheriff with discretion being like uh eh, yeah i'm gonna kick him out well they're not gonna do it during because there's a moratorium on that right so no, there's yeah. a moratorium on on evictions yeah while we're all in this in this phase right yeah 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 well when we get out of this phase guess what <laughs> right no i'm with you on that but i'm thinking like so then to me like worst case scenario is you fall fucking four months behind and then you start working again and then it's like all right look man i can kick you 50 bucks i, I can kick you 200 dollars, and you almost do that good faith payment type shit where it's like look man they're trying to give what they can give and yeah I, but at some at some point if you're if you're if you're eight thousand in the hole you're not going to recover from that yeah you're not Unless unless somebody gives you an influx of cash, but but the average person right. barely has enough in their savings to cover a four hundred dollar emergency. Yeah, see, I just can't see the eight grand being do at once. Is that really what program is doing that? Like, dude, there's ba- there's banks that are doing that right now. Yeah, see, that's fucking like, shouldn't a thirty year mortgage just be like thirty year and four months? Right, well, like even, that, that would even, be like the right f- way to do it. it. <laughs> so I, I had my I had my uh, car payments. All right, so the payment on my on my fifth wheel, I deferred that for two months, and my my truck payment, I deferred that for two months. 
I didn't read any of the stuff because they didn't send me anything. I just did it over the phone and I get, I actually get something from them and I'm still having to pay interest. Oh so yeah. See, they, I knew that did, shit they, was coming up. Yeah. Yeah. They, they deferred it, but I'm still paying the interest for the two months. Yeah. So they're still making money. Yeah. You're not helping me. Yeah. You're helping yourself. No doubt. Cause you just get two, three months of fucking interest while I'm uh, not lowering my principal at all. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, dude, it's, I'm telling you, man, you start paying attention to stuff and you start looking a little deeper into yeah. what's happening. Start listening to some some people that are, are on our side, uh, you know, the workers and the taxpayers, you know, like Jimmy Dore, um, you know, some of these other independent journalists that are, that are, you know, not gonna, not gonna bow down to the, to the corporations and the, and, you know, the, the party. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at, look at, dude, all of these progressives like AOC and Bernie Sanders and everybody else, they all signed off on this, on this bailout. Elizabeth Warren, her whole campaign was about 2008 and, and the bailouts, we're not going to do that anymore. Uh, Did you hear her crying about it when, when, uh, when, when they did the voice vote, which was kind of shady in itself. Why are you doing a voice to vote on a on a trillion on the, on the biggest bailout we've ever seen in this country? You're going to do it on a voice vote, so nobody so nobody has a, a hard hard copy of of which way you voted. Huh? Now that's some <laughs> real that's some real conspiracy shit. If you want to start getting into manipulating history, right? So I mean, just it's all about paying attention, man, and you know, and and then when 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 something, when somebody hits home, they just say, Oh, it's a conspiracy. When you throw a conspiracy on it, it gets everybody to tune out. Yeah. I, yeah. I've, I've actually, um, I've been noticing that just the more I have to talk with different people, how like there's so many fucking synonyms, right? And really you mean the same thing, but if you say it in a particular way, that's not offensive, but offensive to someone, they're like, Oh, kook. Like, like if you said something like I'm a, I'm spiritual. I'm religious or I'm an astrologer. Like those do very different things for people perceiving you. Right. And conspiracy is the same way as a, maybe you're just trying to say I'm investigative. <laughs> and now all of a sudden you sound like a fucking intellect. It's like, Oh wow. So you're, you're a fact checker. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I'm fucking, I'm smart as hell, dude. I'm a fact checker. No, you're a conspiracy theorist. Wait, you're fucking crazy. And it's like, no, it's oh, same, yeah. same, same yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean that's just really how it goes, and so I mean you know the the disinformation, misinformation, all of that stuff plays a part into it. So I mean you really got to be careful, uh, you know, if you're if you're really seeking the truth, what you let into your into your ears, right? So you dude, know, be- why why are you going more podcasting? How come you're not going political and like running for some local shit or something like that? How come well, you're not going to be the AOC of the West Coast? Uh, well, first of all, I'm a, I'm a felon. I've been to prison. I don't, you know, that's not gonna, that's not gonna play too well into, uh, into that hand. Does it well, uh, I did, can, I did run for a, a business agent position in my union and I lost. Hold on uh, a second. Cause I was going to ask. So like the felon thing, do you really think, so like Trump is not a felon, but you think people look favorably, more favorably on Trump with all the shady shit he's done versus a felon? Well, there's a lot of people out there that, that are of this mind. Um, and so this, this is how it gets spun. Uh, 
why should why should he be why should he be celebrated when he did the wrong thing when there's tons of people out there that continually do the right thing and you think, and didn't huh. and didn't go and didn't go down that route and I got hit with that too in, in when I was running for my position which so when you're in a union it's a lot like being in a government right you've got to be elected to things you have uh, it's a democratic process right and when you run for a big position like that, you have to campaign. And so you the same kind of bullshit that happens in real campaigns that you get slandered, you get people, you know, talking shit about you. What was uh, the union? Uh, I'm a mechanical insulator by trade. So I'm a heat and frost uh, insulator, local 16. OK. And like how many. So for your position, you need how many votes about? So there was about. Five or five, five hundred and change eligible people to uh, that can that could have voted. Okay. Uh, there was three candidates. I I got the lowest, but I'm the one that had like so. So I was the Hillary Clinton of my situation. I had the <laughs> I had the most experience. I had you know I had the support of everybody on the top. You know all of the the officers that are already in there, but it got spun. That, oh, he's the chosen one. He's the one that, you know, they're trying to put in. Uh, you know, he's just a, a bitch for the for the system, you know. And it, it, it didn't, it worked against me. And then there was another dude who was, uh, who was a very good speaker, super intelligent, uh, and, and was good at telling people what they wanted to hear. And I'm not that guy. I don't tell people what they want to hear. I tell you what you need to hear. Right. And, you know, cause I'm a realist and this dude was just, you know, saying he was playing to everybody's complaints. Like everybody said, Oh, our union dues are way too much. Well, I'm going to lower the dues. And, okay. Well, now he got a whole bunch of people over here that, Oh, I like that. Right. <laughs> I want my dues lowered knowing that he couldn't, he couldn't do any of that. Right. You know what I mean? There's the, the, the dues are like taxes. Once they get them, you ain't getting them back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. But there's people that want to believe, you know what I mean? Just like in our in our own society, there's people that want to believe these things that these politicians are telling them. So they have key things. That's why they have key issues, you know that 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 they they spit out. So did they use yeah. the criminal the criminal history on you? Like yeah, yeah. They, well, I mean, I, I got word that they were saying, oh, so you want to you want a, a felon, a criminal, uh, running running your deal and, and all this other stuff. And, and it just, you know, it gets, it gets spun that way. And so, and then there were some guys that, that I would talk to and they're like, well, why, why should you be celebrated when, you know, you broke all the rules and, and, and I didn't, you know, I went and did the right thing and I did all of this stuff. So why should you get any kind of special treatment? You know, cause everybody celebrates somebody who, who, you know, goes from uh, tra uh, tragedy to triumph, right? Yeah. And for the people that don't experience that, I don't know if it's because you're jealous that you didn't have any tragic things that happened in your life to be celebrated about. Who knows? Right. But I mean, it's like, you know, they, they look at it a lot differently and there's, there's a whole bunch of people like that. And I think most of the Midwest are people that <laughs> are, uh, you know, the majority of them, they're, they're, uh, God fearing, uh, religious, uh, you know, the Bible belt and, you know, don't, don't attack me for what I'm saying. I'm, I, you know, I just, that's, that's what my perception is. Yeah. So then they wouldn't look favorably upon it. 
How do you yeah. feel? How do you feel about unions? Are you like a nece- unions are the necessary evil? Unions are great. Unions suck. Like, where do you? We need unions. Um, you know, that's why we're in the position that we are right now with uh, with these companies, uh, these corporations that like Amazon that, you know, you start talking unions and, and like they have been and they fired like seven people so far because they're trying to organize. And that's really what needs to happen. That is our only power against the the corporations is for everybody to start unionizing huh. and 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 having some control you know they they when we are the backbone behind most of these companies right the workers you know without us and our labor there's no profits there's right. no bottom line for your investors right you know and the more and the, and the harder that they can push the the easier it gets and the more they make so if you if you don't have a union and you know you see some shady shit going on a lot of the times you know all they got to do is fire one person and everybody else just gets in line and shuts up yeah right make the example of them you know and in a union you can't really you can do that but there's you know then there's an investigation there's you know there's all of this this stuff that that transpires when, yeah you when, get you have a process the union yeah. provides you with protection and process for when shit goes down yeah so people just need to start getting on board with that and and stop thinking of it as oh you know and and you know Jimmy Hoffa and, you know, there's been a lot of bad press about unions over the years and the gangsters and, you know, the the mafia runs the union. Or it just, I think even more popular sentiment would probably be like unions just protect people who don't actually want to work. It's like anti-capitalistic. It's it's anti-meritocratic. Is that, I don't know if I'm using that word right, but like, it's not based. If once you get in a union, you no longer have to produce, you're protected. And I think I mean there's 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 bad actors in everything, right? Yeah, yeah. you know there there yeah there's that's the that's the minority. Yeah, yeah. You know it's it, but but it gets it gets spun into the majority. Yeah, no, for sure, hundred hundred, and that's what I'm thinking too. And I guess the more I deal with things, the more I'm like, unions work and rights. You're like you do need some sort of body to help you maintain your rights. Right. Like union, like you said, man, union is a form of government on a smaller level. And you need that. You need that almost like union would be your federal protection to just make sure no one's fucking breaking into your house. (laughs) You know, it just it's the cops. It levels the playing field. Yeah. hundred percent. And so, I mean, think about this. So if you do a little bit of labor history, um, there was a huge battle. It was called the Battle of the Blair Battle of Blair Mountain in West Virginia. It was about the coal miners in West Virginia that were working for the coal company. And this coal company owned the town that they lived in. They owned all of the homes that were in it. Oh Jesus, what power. They owned the stores. Yeah. They owned everything. So you work for this this coal mine this company, this corporation, and you don't get paid in cash. You get paid in script. So your, your money is not good anywhere. Uh, closed system. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so you're just stuck to this thing. Reading dependency. And, yeah. And so they, they rose up against it and it was the bloodiest battle on uh, us soil, uh, post, uh, civil war. No way. 
Yeah, they really they took up arms and they then they went they had a gun battle uh fighting for their rights. Jesus. And the result? Do you know? And the result was I I don't know what the result yeah, was. I'm sure, how are you gonna I'm, do I'm sure it, a lot of people you didn't died. read the I'm last sure fucking chapter. Died. Come on, man. Like, was the corporation crushed? I almost think of it like Star Wars, like the fucking Death Star. Did they blow up the Death Star? You know, like did uh, they... I don't know. Look at go look at a Battle of Blair Mountain. Battle uh, of Blair know? Mountain. Yeah, Jesus. In West Virginia, um, I mean, I'm sure they. You know, they they look every every fight for labor has always if you're if you're willing to take up the fight, you're going to get at least a couple of inches forward you know you're, you're gonna move forward right you're not gonna you're not gonna move back and that's what people need to understand is that sometimes in life you have to go through the go through the the pain to get to the pleasure right you know what i mean and so and that's where we're at right now you know we have to we we are going to have to go through some pain right now where we're at in society and 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 realize that look the the gap of inequality is getting further and further and further away oh dude the the educational gap from taking I, I, it's probably going to wind up being if if the kids go back to school in september we'll just call it september um like a 3 month gap plus summer the, the poor like poor kids are going to be fucked man if they don't get back to school in september yeah, and it's just, and it keeps, and it keeps growing, and so we need to stand up to it and say, "Hey, enough is enough." Yeah. You know, whether it's you know everybody starts joining a union, unionizing their 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 workplace, or we overturn the government and start from scratch, rebuild the system. Man, yeah, that's a dark. That's a dark rabbit hole when you start going Illuminati and people owning things and being able to just have that power over the people that they're supposed to represent. That is not the way I wanted to start my day, my friend. Yeah, I was hoping well, happy you know, thoughts. A little bit, little little dose of reality never hurt, <laughs> hurt, hurt, hurt. You know, just dunk, dunk it in your coffee and soak it in. So true. God, is that why you got into podcasting? to just kind of like talk about this shit and bring some attention to it? Or was there another reason? Well, I got into podcasting because I, you know, I'm a felon. I've been to prison. Uh, you know, my life story, if, you know, I'll give you my links to my link tree. Uh, and, and, you know, people can go and listen to some of my story there. You can find my podcast there. Uh, anywhere that I'm at, you can find there. And it was really to tell other people's stories of triumph to tragedy, comeback stories, uh, bottoms, life struggles. I was addicted to methamphetamine for years. I was in and out of, uh, institutions. I've, you know, I, I went, to, I counted them. I think I was from the time I was 15 till 34, I'd been in 18 different institutions and drug rehabs and prisons and it stuff like that. It started at the age of 15. Yep. What, what happened at 15, man? Jesus, man, that's young to start getting institutionalized. Yeah, well, I mean, those weren't like hardcore places. I mean, right. I did uh, a drug rehab uh, group home when I was, I think, 16. Went to Byron Boys Ranch in Juvenile Hall when I was 15. Um, you know, it, it was just a, a constant ebb and flow of trying to be better, slipping. Trying to be better, slipping. And then, you know, some of my... my uh, uh, <laughs> 
things that I was doing just, you know, I, I just, I just got in so much trouble, man. Yeah. So the first, was it like little robbery things? Was it possession things? Was it like a fighting thing at 15 to get you put in juvie? Uh, well, 15 is, uh, I started, uh, so I had, I told this story the other, uh, yesterday. Um, so the summer before, uh, I was a freshman, I had messed around with this chick. Right. And I had taken my mom's truck out of the garage. I was only 15 and I, I basically stole it, went and joyride it, went and picked up this chick, took her to the back roads. I lost my virginity. Um, and I guess the following school year, she had a boyfriend at the time that I didn't know. And somehow he had found out he'd called my house up, left a message on the answer machine. I was going to beat my ass, this, 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 and that. And, um, so I took that tape recording down to school and I I was cool with everybody. I knew all of the people. I mean, I, you know, I, I was, I was one of those, I was like a, like a leaf. I could go through every group in high school. You know what I mean? I'd hang out with some of the drama people. I'd hang out with the stoners. I'd hang out with the brothers. You know, I, I just didn't have a, I didn't have a space. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just a kind fixed of, identity. Load. Um, and so I took this uh, tape down and let some of my friends hear it. And they're like, fuck that shit, man. Let's go, man. We're going to go get them right now. Were, were those, the, so, were those the drama friends? You found the no, toughest drama no. kids you could. And you were like, guys, we've just got to have a dance off. Yeah, they wanted they wanted to they wanted to reenact it and act it out. I'm like, no, 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 that's not going to work. I need I need some action here. (laughs) So before I knew it, four carloads of dudes were on our way to the school to go and and confront this person. That escalated quickly. Yeah, I I I wasn't expecting that to happen. Um, And so we get there, and and this they come walking up. Uh, her, the the chick that I, I'd, I'd screwed and her boyfriend, she runs off. He continues walking towards us and bad move, bro. Uh, Dude, numbers are numbers. End of the day. I don't care how fucking tough you are, man. Numbers are numbers, man. Yeah. And so as soon as he gets there, he gets surrounded by like fucking 10 dudes, uh, 10, 15 guys. And I, I wasn't going to fight the dude. I just wanted to do what's up. Why you call my, you know, I just wanted to show that like, Hey, not cool. You want to fuck? You want to yeah. fuck with me? You better think twice. Right. And he started reaching into his pocket, and somebody hit him from the side, and then he ended up just get bounced around in that circle. He made his way to the to the uh, uh, was a, a convenience store, like a Seven Eleven that was right there. We were in a parking lot. Yeah. They fought. They ran in there after him, threw his ass up on the counter, oh, dragged him, shit. dragged him across the counter. They were beating the crap out of him, and uh, he got a hold of that knife, sliced somebody's face, um, and man. all of this was on camera because it was in the store. Right. I never touched the dude. I never got to, to to punch the dude once, but I ended up since I brought everybody there, I got charged with the whole thing. So I got charged for inciting a riot, uh, all kinds of shit. Talk about, so that's another one of those arbitrary things. Like how many motherfuckers do you need to have riot attached to a charge? Like if, if like one less car would have come or is it like once you hit double digits, then it's like, I'm in charge <laughs> of know. a riot. Like what, how come it's not inciting a mob? Right. Yeah. 
So that was my first introduction. That's where I, 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 I got my introduction to, to that. And then once you get put on a, uh, you know, on probation as a minor and then my mom couldn't control me. I mean, I'd started doing meth that, that, that following year, uh, as a kid, what, you know where what are mean? you growing up? Where's I grew up, dude, I grew up in a middle-class neighborhood. Like in California or yeah, I'm in California. So like oh, Northern okay. California, I lived in Pinole, which is next to like by Richmond. What? But it's, this... it's still considered a, a, you know, like a middle-class area. Dude, I, I just, in my head, I'm like thinking what 15, 16 year old wants to do meth. Am I just blind that I like, I, I could get maybe shit, dude, even Coke, like, so, so this, out. Here, like here, I was here. like, Jesus, that's expensive and it's addictive. And like, I don't want to live my life like fucking being like needing that shit. Like I, you see people who need it and you're like, fuck man, you're like, you're serving it. Like maybe smoke some cigarettes or pot or something, but like meth seems next fucking level, dude. Yeah. But think about how old you are. All of this. See, none of that. This was back in, you know, I was 15. So, I mean, that was early, late, that was like mid mid to early nineties. So it wasn't a thing then. You know uh, what I mean? It wasn't a like an epidemic. It was right when the epidemic first started, when the meth epidemic happened. And cr- it was crank back then. It actually wasn't oh, even meth. Yeah, 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 right. God. You know, and so it was it hadn't even turned to crystal yet. It was it was crank. It was the biker shit. Uh, and the reason why I wanted to do it is that all my friends were doing it and they wouldn't let me. Like so I would be hanging out with all my friends and then they would disappear into the room and lock the door. <laughs> and like, I was like, what are you guys doing? Hey, Hey, Why and would... nobody, nobody would ever tell me. So I'm like, well, and then one of my friends said, Oh, we're doing a crank. And I'm like, well, I want to try. And nobody, nobody, I was the youngest. So no one wanted to be responsible for uh, letting me do it. Guilty conscience. And, yeah. And so, uh, my aunt, at the time, which was like my, my dad married, remarried and, and his wife's sister lived right down the street from my house. And I was hanging out over there and I had known that they were doing it. And she let me try it for the first time. Your step, what do you call that? A step aunt? Yeah. Like my step aunt. Yeah. Holy shit, dude. And then from that point on, it was just like, it was game on. I was fucking, I became uncontrollable. My mom gave me up as a ward of the state. And so now anytime I got, I didn't do what I was supposed to. All she had to do was just call my probation officer and, and like, like the state was my parents now. Yeah. Right. Snatch you up. What was the conversation like with your aunt? Do you remember? Like you were just like, like you were just randomly talking about, man, all my boys are doing crank. I really wish I could get some. And she was like, Oh, Hey, I have some. You want to try it? I, dude, I have no idea. I don't even remember. Yeah, right. All, all I know, but she was just, she was a lot older than I was. You know, I was yeah. 15 and she had to be like maybe 28, 29. Jesus. And so it was, you know, I mean, that's, a, that's the thing with drugs, man. Misery, misery loves company. If you're, if you're doing drugs, it's obviously to escape from some sort of misery. Right. Um, and so if, you know, you're willing to let anybody who, who wants to, to, join you join you you know what i mean and yeah yeah Yeah. and so yeah that was the beginning and you know fast forward you know 15 years 18 institutions later you know i finally just kind of like got my head out of my ass and and was like dude my half of my life is over and i got nothing to show for it so let me because this is something that kind of interests me as far as um when you hear the word like institutionalized and there's a lot of um 
I think I want, I want to say research about like, dude, when you send kids who are troubled around other kids who are troubled, it doesn't make them less troubled. They just fucking network and then they're building up their rep and then they want to have like the bigger fish story kind of thing. Like, oh man, you were in here for this. Well, I'm in here for book. And it almost like breeds this cycle of um, more crime. Like, so going to these places, do you feel like it reinforced that part of you or like that sense of identity of, yeah, I am this kind of person? Or did it actually like, because you had said a couple of times, like, you know, I was trying to be straight and then I just slipped. Yeah. So, I mean, I always kind of had, like, I've always known that, that, uh, I didn't belong in, in prison. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm smarter than this. I'm way more intelligent than this. I just used my, I used my intelligence the wrong way. So, I'm a natural, I'm, I'm natural, I'm a natural leader. Okay. But I used my abilities to lead, to lead people in the wrong direction. To incite fucking riots, apparently. Jesus. Well, I mean, that, that, yeah, well, there were, there was that, but I mean, and even you go even later on in that, when I got, you know, uh, arrested, you know, uh, to go to prison, I had a, I had a, like a, a little criminal enterprise where I had, you know, guys that were strung out on, on, you know, slamming dope, like in, uh, intravenous drug users doing all my crime for me. So I would send them out to do smash and grabs and, and give them the vehicle to do it with. And they would come back and I would, you know, pay them with, with drugs for everything that they had. And I'd turn around and sell all that shit. Jeez. And so, you know, I was, I was leading people in the wrong direction. You know, using my influence to to prey upon people that were weaker than me, uh, you know, using substances to get them to do what I wanted. Yeah. And are you thinking about this shit when you're in these juvies or in these rehab centers where you're like, oh, dude, I can like you're observing these behaviors in people and you're like, dude, I can manipulate that. I can flip that for profit. Well, yeah. I mean, when I went to uh, rehab the first time when I was 16, I I was manipulating the system the whole time. That's why I had to, I, it was only supposed to be for six months, but it turned into like 16 months because I was, when you go to a rehab, everything is based on like your progression is based on your progression. So like I was getting in trouble for like, I would go and sweet talk the the cook into letting me help her uh, cook. And then everybody else is, you know, sitting down to eat regular old scrambled eggs and, and all this other shit. And I come out with a, with a, a five egg omelet stuffed with all kinds of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sit down. And so I just learned how to manipulate the system. I had the people that were in the emancipation track, uh, that got to leave every day. I'd have them bringing me in packs of cigarettes and I was selling cigarettes for like a dollar a piece, $2 a piece. Cause we were, we were only allowed like five a day. And so, I mean, I was just doing everything I could. Ah, dude, I, I had ran off with one. And so I wanted to screw one of these chicks. So I, I, I ran off with her. Wait, the ca- a cafeteria lady? No, no, no. One, <laughs> of the, one, of, one, of the, one of the clients there, right? Oh, okay. And so, you know, I, I, I ran away with her because uh, I had money because I was selling all this stuff. You know, hopped on BART, got our cell, and, and I had a... Uh, it was just crazy, man. Just whatever I, I tried to do, I always manipulated and, and I just did it the wrong way. And so now, 
you know, having gone through all of that and reflected and, and, you know, I, I am where I am now. Uh, I just want to tell people stories and, and be able to articulate that, you know, everybody goes through shit, you know, just because don't let your, don't let your story be your conclusion uh, or your circumstances be your conclusion because you're not, you don't have it doesn't have to stop there. Right. You can always change. You can always change your story. You know, you may not be able to change the the other chapters, but you can always write new ones. What gave you the realization? Like, is it the typical like rock bottom moment where you're just like, "Fuck this"? Or no, it was a progression. I mean, just it, every so everything has a. a, a I don't even know how to explain it, man. Um, it was, yeah, just because I stopped doing drugs, that's one part of it. But there was, there were other parts of it too. Like I was, I was horrible at relationships. I had an anger issue. I had, you know, there's all these other things that came up once I stopped doing drugs that were always there kind of hiding you know what I mean? Like yeah. being verbally abusive, being, you know, this is all stuff that I saw growing up. And so that was all still in there, you know? And so there, there was things that I had to change after I stopped doing drugs. And I mean, not even to this last relationship that I was in. Uh, and, and a lot of, a lot of my insight came from listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. I, I was listening to that for like two years prior to me starting my own. And just listening to different people and, you know, realizing that, hey, you're kind of not a, you're, you're still not a cool person. I mean, you're, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're still kind of an asshole. You know, you're, you don't know how to treat women. You, you are still have, you know, you're just, you're still not where you want to be. You're douchey. Yeah. In a way. I mean, I was always cool. I never, I never had a problem getting chicks. I mean, I, you know, I, I still don't, but I don't know. I don't know how to have a relationship. God, it's the maintenance, the maintenance. Yeah. You up. So, and, and that, that just goes because I, I, I didn't have an example of that. You yeah. know, everything ties back to when we're kids. Yeah. I mean, it, it really can. And well, and I guess that's what I'm thinking of with this institutionalization and um, what the state tries to do for rehabbing people and it's like if a kid grows up in a maybe fear's the wrong word but like in a in a coin in a token system where it's like you must do this to earn this isn't that how you're going to grow up thinking how shit is and it's not modeling real relationships of forgiveness and um unconditional love and sacrifice it don't the institutions basically just want people to manipulate them or comply right and that's kind of fucked up for relationships as you grow up. Yeah, I mean the the that's what I'm saying. The whole system needs to be redone yes. from the top from the top to the bottom. How you know, and and you can and you can do that in any sector of our society. Yeah, you know, so we're we're well. What would you do differently for like for rehabs or for um like juvies? Well, first of all, I would stop. Uh, uh, and for anybody out there listening, there's a good uh, TED talk from a guy named uh, Johan Hari, and he talks about, about this, uh, how uh, the model of punishment for people who are addicts is just, and that's where most of the people that are in prison are uh, and addicted to something of some sort. Right. Um, 
you know, that's not the way to get results. And, and it's proven. I mean, go look at uh, Greece, how they deal with it, or Portugal, how they deal with their, their problem. You know, once they, once they stop criminalizing drugs and start taking that money that they were putting and fighting the drugs, you know, going after the, the model of the United States, um, all of their numbers started decreasing. You know what I mean? The people that were addicted became decreasing. The deaths from it became decreasing. The, you know, the crime, you know, rate went down. Yeah. Everything- so then that's, that kind of goes with the, the addicts, what you were saying, people do drugs cause they're ashamed or they're trying to cope. So now they go to jail, which makes them more ashamed and gives them more shit to cope with. So when they get out, they just go to the drugs to try to not feel what jail is making them feel. Then they get busted with the drugs. So now they go back to jail and now it's even more severe, more worse. They feel more like shit and they never get to actually process the emotion in a healthy way. Right. True. And then a lot of the people don't have the support system to be able to, to uh, progress once they get out. I was lucky I did. So I fell down, uh, you know, a number of different times after I got out of prison. Like you would have thought that, oh, okay, I went to prison. I better shape up. No, it didn't happen that way. I ended up getting, you know, a couple of violations and, you know, the, the, the story, like I have, three parts to my story that could be three separate movies. Uh, you know, the shit from when I was a kid, the shit while I was, while I was uh, a criminal. And then the point where I'm at now, you know, writing, writing the new story, you know, I, I, I consider them separate pieces because they, they all, uh, every single one of them, there was something learned in them that, that carried over. So, so what would you what change would you make to it though? You would just stop arresting people with addiction and have like an outpatient thing? How would you How do you think I don't, you could I, best I don't know. I think the answer lies in 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 the systems that are are working. And so go to different countries that have have done this and look at what works. And take that and build that model. Connection is what we all seek. Right. Yeah. We're a, we're a, we're a, a society that, that needs to have connection. We yes. need, right. You know that, why do you think that a punishment in prison is isolation to, to, isolation yeah. to remove you from everybody? And why is Facebook fucking blowing up? Right. Why did that catch on so well? So, yeah, I mean, that's. So connection is really the opposite of addiction. Cause once you're connected, and I, I really, I implore everybody to go and, and, and watch that YouTube video, that TED Talk, Johan Hari. And it's, it's titled, What We Think We Know About Addiction is Wrong. And it's true. Yeah, because you can't really like beat or punish an addiction out of someone, right? You more have to connect and love an addiction out of someone. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, because what are you doing? You're shaming them. Well, the whole reason why they're using probably is because of something shameful that happened in their life at some point Yeah, that that they're not dealing with. And so now you want to shame them some more, you know, parade them around as, as, you know, like if you go to, to, uh, Arizona, you know, you can see the chain gang on the side of the road in stripes, you know, Picking up trash on, on, you know, for on the freeway, right. you know, it's it's like you're shaming people, and that doesn't work. It works in some things, like 
if you shame a fat person, you know, uh, sometimes it'll work, but you know, I, I don't know when somebody tells me I'm getting fat, I really, I'm like, all right, well, shit, I guess I better go and fucking walk then. Yeah, no doubt. Let me, let me get <laughs> I, 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 better go, I better go do something. You, you know what, you know, we, you know what one shaming I'm totally in favor of is stink shaming. Like if someone fucking stinks, don't, don't beat around it. Don't let them walk around as the stinky person. I don't know if you have to publicly shame them, but it's okay to make stinky people feel bad and be like, dude, you fucking stink, man. Shower, deodorant, right? Like fucking wash your hair, man. Shampoo. And I, I don't know if fat shaming is at that level, but with the health issues with, with obesity, I almost feel like it's, yeah, we're, there's a difference between being thick and being fat. Right. And I'm like, I think it's okay if people are unhealthily chunky to just be like, bro, fucking pounds are catching up to you, man. Stop, stop eating like shit. Start exercising. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the whole like body, I mean, I, I get the body positive thing. Like I, I get all of it, Yeah, but for me personally, this is how I feel. I struggle with weight. Okay. I struggle with my weight. I bounce between, you know, 260. I mean, my heaviest was 273. I jumped down to two, I, I, I went down to 235, which was really, to me, that's my ideal weight. Dude, how tall between are you? Two, uh, six one. Wow. Yeah. 270 is fucking like, that's, that's some Zion Williamson type thickness, dude. Well, I mean, I carry it though. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty well distributed. So like, right, like right now I got, I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit of a gut because we're, I haven't been exercising at all. Um, one is I can't cause I'm on disability. So anything that I want to do, it's like, I'm like, ah, if they got somebody watching me, I'm going to end up getting screwed. You know right, what I mean? Cause yeah. that, that is a possibility. Yeah. 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 There it is. Conspiracy um, again. So, you know, but I, I would hope that my significant other or anybody that I'm, I'm, I'm around would be like, Hey bro. Hey, go fucking do something. You're getting fat. Right. You know, instead of like dancing around it and, and, you know, now we're not saying anything to people and they're, and they're, they're, they're obese and people want to go, Oh, well, body positive. Embrace body the obesity. Positive. Yeah. Fuck Embrace, that. Em Shit's unhealthy. Your... Okay. Okay. Yes. But at some point, it's a health issue. Yeah, dude, 100%. 100%. Like if you were you know, eating little toxins, if you were drinking little cups of bleach or what the fuck ever, like you wouldn't be like, oh my God, you're, it's okay that you're a bleach drinker. Just keep yeah. sipping and being you. You'd, be, you'd slap yeah. the fucking cup out of their hand and be like, stop, yes. stop. You're killing yourself. This is not healthy. There's a better life. Yeah, there's a better way. Don't listen to what Trump said. You don't need to disinfect your your immune system. Yeah, so then why does that work for things like body but not for addiction? You know what well, I'm saying? We, like the, the shaming doesn't. It just it flat out doesn't. I don't I, I don't know, man. Do you know what I, I'm saying? I, I, I mean, that's, that has to do with psychology and, and you know, a whole other uh, uh, thing that I, I – I, have no training or expertise in I'm an expert in myself and, and, and what works for me and barely that. Right. So then <laughs> what, what, <laughs> why do you, well then what was the relationship or what was the insight that allowed you to kind of kick it and um, kick the, kick the addiction? Or I guess maybe, I guess, do you ever really kick the addiction or is it more like I'm an addict, but I just stopped almost like alcoholics who don't drink are still alcoholics. 
some I'm a little bit different because I'm I'm a drug of choice guy. So like I don't do my drug of choice anymore and I've realized what my triggers and everything else were around that. And so I can kind of like uh I, I kind of tell people like I'm I'm sort of like a mogwai now. A mogwai? Yeah, you know, remember the in Gremlins how he started out as a mogwai, but if you fed him after midnight or got him wet, <laughs> all this bad shit would happen. Got you, got you. I did not remember the name, but yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's kind of what I am. You know what I mean? So it's like, all right, well, I could be this cute little mogwai, but if I end up at a bar at closing uh, and I start hanging out, you know, because you know what happens. Everybody, hey, let's go to my place after. And, you know, you could just be a random and just follow the train and end up somewhere and like where drugs start flowing. Right. That's a bad situation for me to be in. I probably shouldn't do that. So it's like knowing knowing the things and the places where I should be and not be and 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 not waiting till the last minute and go, oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't be here. But since I'm already here, fuck it. I might as well go. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. You know, and uh, and just being a, a piece of shit. Dude, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I was a piece of shit. I was a horrible person. You know, I, I used people. I had no conscience. You know, I was kind of sociopathic in a way. Uh, not not like in a like a killing way, but like in another way. Yeah, like lacking the emotional, non-emotional intelligence. Because if you're using people, you got emotional intelligence. But the, the empathy of like, it's it's wrong what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was just the culmination of that. And like, I'm, I'm 30 something. I'm still, you know what I mean? It's just like, all right, I'm, I'm just, I know this is not where I want to be. This isn't, uh, this doesn't have a future for me. And so I needed to start looking at what I could do to provide a future for myself in the short amount of time that I have left. You know what I mean? Right. Man. All the people that I went to high school with, all the people that I went to, that I grew up with were so far ahead of me. And I'm still back in, in, in ninth grade. And these people have already graduated college and have, you know, homes and, and, uh, mortgages and, and all that stuff. And, you know, it's not a bad thing that I don't, especially now, but when you're thinking about it, it's like, it, I started being ashamed of myself. <laughs> gotcha. And then that, well, that's, that's actually that realization, right. Is a very powerful deterrent for doing shit. Yeah. Cause now I'm like, all right, well, what am I going to do about retirement? Shit. I'm 30 years old. I got a a career. So 20 years retirement, that's going to put me at 50, but you know I mean? Who said, who knows if I can retire at at that? I mean, even now look at my dad, he lost 150,000 when the stock market tanked this time. Right. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of people from this that were going to retire, but now have to work an extra five years because they can't. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so there's like all of these things that were coming into my head and I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? And so I just started doing the next right thing. And okay, you accomplished this goal. Now let's accomplish this. And so I started building my self-esteem up and my confidence. And it just went from, you know, the things that I should have learned when I was a child and as growing up going through, okay, now you go to college or now you go to a trade school and now you go to do this and now you go to do that. But see that, that again takes me to that, what I just can't fucking get by is like, how is it that you get that realization at 30 when you're in these institutions and they're fucking purpose, their job, their mission statement should be to get that shit in your head. 
and it's not right. Like that, that's what I can't get past is why is that realization not happening in a controlled, supportive environment? Cause it's not designed for that. <laughs> I guess so. Right. I do. There's a, you know, I have, did you listen to the one where I, I, so I have an episode, I think it's uh, uh 30 or it's either 30 or 32. One of them it's, I do it. I end up hooking up with this dude who's got a, a contraband cell phone in a prison right now. And I interviewed him and two other of his, his buddies that are in there and they're in prison. And we talk about their, their, uh, their convictions. We talk about their charges. We talk about life inside, uh, you know, from my perspective as somebody who'd been there for three years versus them who two of them are doing 20 plus and the other guy's doing life for murder. Fuck. And so, yeah, check that one out. Check, you know, your listeners, check out that episode. It's called, uh, you know, I think it's 30 or 31. I don't know. It's, it's around the 30s, <laughs> the low 30s. Jesus. So um, well, why? So they're just, you're, uh, it's, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around, especially from the younger aspect of it versus, I guess, like a, a an adult prison. I could almost understand not giving up, but the policy being like, fuck them, they're criminals if you're older. But how, when people are younger, are they just not getting this message and continuing to just stay in this fucking cycle? Like that's, that's a fucked up institution. I I just can't get past it. Okay. Well, I'll I'll give you an example. So right now I'm doing well, right? You would think that I would be a great speaker to come into one of the institutions that I was a, 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 a resident at right yeah as, as a, as like the, the the byron's boys ranch i live close by there right now i called them up and said hey you know i'd like an opportunity to come in there i used to be a a, a resident uh hey, this is what i'm doing um you know is would there be any possibility that we could set something up let me you know i'll send you anything that you need to do i'll fill out any of the stuff that you need for a background check anything that you need to do i'm willing i'm here to help right i, I got a message to to send to these guys and uh, no, nothing. And then I, I ran into a lady that worked there. And I was like, here, here's my card. Here's my information. And, uh, and she was going to do it. And then nothing. So you tell me. Right. Yeah. Is it just too it? much processing work? Is it like too much liability where somebody with a sweet job loses it because they bring in the wrong person? Like, are they Who knows, man? It's averse, like, all right, right, well, you know, the the shouldn't you want to re- rehabilitate these people, or is rehabilitating not securing your work for right. the future? Yeah, right. Yeah, like if cops all of a sudden didn't write tickets, it'd be like, why the fuck do we have so many cops out? Yeah, write, write I tickets. Mean, I don't know. Show that you're justified. Know. Show that you show that you're needed. Man, that's um, yeah, that's something I've. I, I hadn't honestly given a lot of thought to in a while, but it's just, it just seems so fucked up that it's pretty common knowledge of the emotional support and stability that's needed for people, especially younger kids to just fucking be successful. And if you're, if you fuck up and you go into places and you're not getting that, you're then missing out on all the chances in the real world to connect with a fucking teacher, a counselor, a coach, someone who might give it to you just through life. But if you're institutionalized or if you're fucking in a rehab or a home, 
and it's not there for you, of course you're fucking missing out on it. And of course it's going to be more difficult as an adult to then maintain positive relationships. It just, man. Yeah. It's just, there's no, I, I don't know. There's, I, I, I don't have an answer. Yeah. I honestly, I honestly don't. Um, all my, my answer is, is I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And at some point, maybe the right person will hear and reach out and go, Hey, I see what you're doing. Come over here. Help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess I, then I, my mind goes to like, is it, um, is that powerful? I feel like it is. I feel like when kids hear stories of people they can relate to, there's that immediate credibility thing where kids are like buying into what you're saying versus man, you don't know shit, whatever. You know, like if you look at a counselor who hasn't been through anything, do you really respect that counselor's knowledge as a no. person going through it? Right? No. When I was, when I was, I, I listened to the counselors that actually, when I was in rehab that had the story that lived it, the, the people that were just got their, their education. Yeah. And, and had no ex, no real real street cred. I was like, I didn't even listen to him. I was like, what the fuck do you know about what I went through? Yeah, right. You, you know what I mean? You just you read a book and took a test. No doubt. Great job. That's that's um. So Donald Glover, um, Childish Gambino. Uh, I fucking um, I forget whatever. I I went like on a I'm all in on him. Almost like I turned fourteen when you find your favorite artist and that's all you fucking play. You know and yeah. So he's got the great line. It was like, you're not not racist because the wire's in your Netflix queue. And, and, <laughs> and a lot of people are like, no, oh my God, I know exactly what poverty and struggles like. I watch The Wire. And you're like, okay, yep, that, that, yep. Growing up on The Cosby Show, you definitely know what black people go through. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and those, so. people, those people feel that way. They go in there to change the world, never having lived in the world they're trying to change. And it's like, I don't know if that's going to be effective, man. No, it's not. And that's why when, you know, you, you listen to prisoners that, that, you know, when, you know, they listen to me, they know that I know, they know, I know your, I know what your struggle is, man. I've been there. I haven't done 20 years, but I've done three. And so that, that, you know, I know, I know what it's like to have your freedom taken away from you. I know what it's like to be in a cage. Right. You know? And so, yeah, for me to talk to them is more, is, is more inspiring to them than having somebody, you know, who doesn't have any experience in any of that saying something to them or, you know, uh, a counselor that's at, you know, that has no experience. Yeah. So was federal prison almost like the last straw for your using where you were, when you got out, you were like, man, fuck that. I'm never going back. No, <laughs> no, holy I, shit, dude. How I, was... I got out in 2004 or 2006 and I didn't, and I didn't stop using until 2010. Jesus, dude. Dude, I'm telling you, man, my dude, it is really tough. There's so many parts of my story that it's really tough to, to, to get it in a, in an hour, even a two hour segment, it's, uh, you know what I mean? And, and the fact that I don't have it, uh, like I'm not a, I'm not a a fucking writer, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't have it. And I just started writing stuff down, like as far, as far as my story goes, but I need to kind of refine it to where I can get like a cliff note version of it. 
No, I don't think. Yeah, I I see what you're saying about cliff notes, but I don't think so. I fuck that, dude. Like, uh, if it's if it's that long, I don't think you want. I think cliff notes take away the meaning behind it, take away the intricacies, take away the details that impact people. Dude, so you get out of federal prison after three years, and you just don't have options, or you're bored. What what gets you back into using? Uh, it was 2000, it was 2008. So I got out, um, I was a, a server at a Chevy's restaurant, which there, I don't think there are any left, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no, no. a Chevy's restaurant. Um, I, well, I'd done a bunch of different stuff. So I was a, you know, a valet Parker and cause I came out with no skills. You know what I mean? I have no, right. no job history, no job experience. Jesus, talk about another fucking thing, but whatever. Like, again, like just failing people setting them up for failure by not fucking training them. Jesus. Yeah. And so when I was in there, I was cutting hair. So I was like, all right, well, let me go to, uh, uh, let me enroll in, uh, uh cosmetology school. Cause I, I didn't want to be a barber because I didn't want to be around a bunch of dudes. I just spent three years around a bunch of dudes. So let's try cosmet- cosmetology because then at least I'll be around chicks. And, <laughs> And then that didn't work out because all I wanted to do is fuck all the chicks. Right. And so, <laughs> and so you know, I, I, that didn't work out. I, you know, was a food server. And finally I met some dude who, and I gotten married uh, and that didn't work out either. But I'd met some dude that was friends with her and said, hey, man, why don't you come and, and join the union and, you know, get, get a real job. Uh, and I was like, yeah, you know, maybe that sounds like a good idea. And so I did. And so I got into to that union and was an apprentice. Uh, and, uh, I don't know. What, what was the question that you asked me? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, it was getting back into using after dealing with federal oh. prison for three years. Okay. So, you know, this is, I still hadn't used, I was in, you know, I drank, uh, you know, when I got out and, you know, had a struggle with alcohol because I was decompressing from being in there, having PTSD and, and, you know, uh, everything that, that happens to you when you're in prison, you're segregated from people, you're, you're running with a group, you know, so I hated black, black people cause I ran with the whites, you know? And so I had all this programming in my head that I had to get rid of. Oh shit. You know what I mean? And so when I got out, I was just like, dude, this is overwhelming. And so I just stayed drunk for a while and uh, pulled myself out of that, got into the union. um, And then 2008 happened, 2009, the the economy crashed. I went on unemployment, wasn't working and just started hanging around. I had that itch, man. I didn't know how to curb that itch yet. Um... And so I hung around some of the old people that I went to school with or that I grew up with. And I knew that we're, we're still involved in that life. And, you know, you start, if you're, if you're an alcoholic, man, you, you hang out at the bar long enough, man, it's, you're going to take a drink at some point. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. And so it just happened. And then fucking from there, I was, I was on and on and on and cracking again, man. How do you uh, curb the itch now? Podcasting? Uh, I, well, I have, I have way more to lose now. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So it's risk versus reward. Back then, I didn't have a lot to lose. So what was the risk? Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe I have some fun, get laid, uh, you know, uh, chase some chase some tail around. Now it's like, okay, well, what do I have to lose? So well, the freedom? Everything, everything that I've accumulated, man. I got a freedom? daughter now. I, I'm, a, I'm a role model now. Right. You know? 
Yeah. So then the freedom wasn't a, uh, incentive enough for you. You were like, man, fuck, if I get busted, um, I'm going to go back to this PTSD giving lifestyle. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, what was I losing? I didn't have anything. No, that's what I'm was... saying. Just having freedom. You, so you, you get out and it's not, a, it doesn't even feel free, huh? No, well, because you have all these things that you got to do. You got, you know, you have probation, supervised release, all of this other stuff. And so, you know, I got you. I don't know, man. There's just, there's, it's hard to explain it. No, yeah. And I'm, I'm not judging at all. I, I'm just trying to get, um, cause that's, that's to me, I would be like, well, when people feel like they don't have anything to lose, my immediate thought goes to like freedom. But what is freedom, right? Freedom is the ability to kind of choose. And if you don't have any choice, if you're fucking laid off or if you're having to still attend all these time meetings and requirements, you're like, dude, it's just like fucking being locked up, except it's, I I can, it's like a dog whose leash is too short to get them to their food. It's like, fuck, man, if I just go back in the kennel, I can get my food. Like, what, why are you showing me all this freedom, but I can't experience it? And that to me would add to like the angst or the anxiety. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's and that's that's why the 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 recidivism rate is so high. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. there's a lot of guys that are just like, "Fuck this!" You know, you're you're setting me up to fail, so I might as well just go do what I want to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's where I'm going to end up, anyways. Right. And if you don't have a support system out there and you know that I was lucky, man, I danced on the line all the time. Like I was doing all kinds of crime when I was criminal shit, when I was on supervised release, but I just figured out how to, uh, kind of game the system, so to say. Right. But I mean, I got caught up, caught up eventually, you know, I think what, what really, what tanked me there is that I got busted, uh, and I got really lucky. Um, I'd learned how to uh, do credit card fraud. And so basically print out credit cards, press them, uh, interact, uh, put the encode, the back magnetic strip, make the IDs to go along with them. I'd learned all this stuff after I got out of prison. Right. <laughs> Just in casual it's, conversation or you're like Googling this shit? No, I, I, I sought out. I knew some people that knew some people that knew some people. And I was like, Hey, I know this is possible. Put me in contact with the people I need to go. And cause I knew a lot of people, man. And so they, they made it happen. They made the connection and, and me and this dude were, we, you know how in life there are these guys that you hang out with, that, that you come across your life and that you just immediately click with. And it's like, bam. Yeah. And you guys are glued at the hip. Yeah. All right. So that was me and this dude. And so he taught me everything, how to do this shit. And so, and I'm still friends with him to this day. I, I progressed and got out of that and, you know, stopped using and he is still, uh, out there. I don't know if he's still using or not. Um, but I know he's kind of, he's been homeless. He's been struggling. I mean, I've helped him out numbers of times. I even let him, I let him use one of my vehicles for a year to try to get his, shit together and you know it just didn't work out i had to take my vehicle back but it was uh you know i don't know man it's uh yeah so you just saw it as like a kind of a way to make a little extra money huh and then you got um like your probation officer found out or like the blame no no i i uh it was a new it was new year's new year's day 
I'd been up all night. I'd been up for like three days. Um, I was working on a card and I was doing these, uh, I can't say what I was doing cause I never gotten caught. I didn't get caught for it, but <laughs> I went, well, I got caught for this. So I, I set up an online, uh, pickup, you know, you order online, pick it up in the store. So Best Buy, what they would do is they only required you to, to use the lot to, in order to pick something up, all they needed was the credit card and the last four digits had to match, right? Okay. So we would do all of this stuff, then press out a card real quick or, or print one up and have the, the, the name on, you know, there was a whole way that we were doing it. Anyways, I didn't need it. I had like a ton of diff of, of brand new uh, items and shit in my, uh, in my house. I was just, I was addicted. I was addicted to the rush of going and doing it. And I ended up getting busted and went to jail. I got lucky that since I was on federal supervised release that the state didn't pr uh, press charges on me. So they dropped everything, even though I had seven different credit cards with seven different IDs. They dropped uh, everything? Yeah, they dropped all the charges because they weren't going to be able to get any time from me because the Fed superseded the, the state. Oh, so if you wound up getting arrested, you would go to back to federal jail? And the state? Not state. And so the state would end up wasting all this money in the back and forth. So they were just like, fuck it. You can have them. Jesus, that's amazing. And then what happened with the federal stuff? You just like another level of probation? No, I went and did a 90-day drug rehab. Oh, wow. And then I got in trouble again and then had to go do 90 days at, the, uh, at, a, at a county facility. So, yeah. Uh, I got I got to wrap this up honestly because I got another one gotcha. at eight o'clock scheduled. Right, man. So, so well, let me ask you this, dude, because I'm trying to do this new segment. Um, thank you for your time so far. I'm trying to end the podcast with a best first for last. We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. So if you can think of a first experience, your best first for last. I mean, I mean, you've been telling fucking tales all day anyway. <laughs> but, Shit, my best first experience. Yeah, best first for last, man. Oh, that's a tough one, man. I've got a lot of first experiences. Um, uh, my best first experience, honestly, is being a dad. Oh, nice. Talk to um, and, and the first time that I heard my, the first time I fell in love with my daughter, that was my, my best first experience because it was at that point that I, I realized what love was. Does that make sense? Oh, fuck. Yeah, dude. I was letting you talk. I didn't want to interrupt it. Um, so when was, when was that moment? First time you're holding her? Like for me, it was almost like the first time I felt fear for my daughter. She was going down this fucking hill on a bike with no training wheels. And I'm like, I'm the one who fucking made her go down this bike. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I feel so responsible. And you're, you, you get overwhelmed with this emotion. Um, do you remember like when that hit you? Uh, it was probably when I, I think it was just the way that she looked at me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, like she looked at me like she trusted me. I don't know, man. It was just, it was, 
I didn't know if I was going to be a good dad. And I was always afraid because I had a daughter before and she's 20 years old now. And I had my rights terminated when I was uh, getting in trouble. And I just kind of turned my back on her because I figured she'd be better off without me. And so I already was kind of like hypersensitive about, damn, am I going to be a good dad? I don't know if I'm going to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was like, I was scared and it, it was just the way that she looked at me is almost like it was like, she, like she was telling me it's going to be okay. Wow. You're going to be a great dad. And I just, just the way that she looked at me, man, I fell in love with her right then. And it, it allowed me to like, know what true love is. You know what I mean? Because I've always loved myself. I never really loved anybody else. Right. You know, I was always using somebody for something. And even though, and, and even if I wasn't, I had love for you, but I don't think that I, like I was ever in love with you because I didn't have the capacity or the understanding to even know what that emotion was. Yeah, that's so, no, dude. That's fucking powerful, man. Because again, if you go back to the the shaming versus loving, like just feeling that, like judge free. Like she's not judging you. She's like through her eyes. She's telling you, like, dude, you're it. You're there for me, man. You got this. And you feel this yeah. this protective, dude. This is this is me, right? Like I'm I'm gonna go to bat for this fucking kid. Yeah, like I would do anything for you. I would kill somebody for you. Right. You know. I don't want to, but I mean, if I had to, I would. <laughs> nice. Dude, that was awesome. You know? I, I, that, that's a, that's a fan fucking tastic best first for last. Um, holding your daughter for the first time in those eyes, something about those fucking babies eyes, man. Like, what is it when they lock eyes and you're like, holy shit, you're seeing me. And like, you're seeing me for the first time. And you fucking just know on some level that like, I'm your pops. I'm here. And that's what it is. It's you see me. And in life, it's very rare that we see people, you know, like really see somebody. Yeah. Yeah. We're so fucking distracted and you get those moments of just connection, especially yeah. with the kids, because it's all about that moment, right? You're, you're not multitasking and doing 40 fucking other things. It's like, I am where my feet are and I'm all yeah. in on this kid at this moment. And then, and then, and then it, and it's flip on that. It's like, Oh, I'm responsible for you now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, so, so I get to help shape who you become. And then I start thinking about, okay, well, how was I shaped? And like, okay, I get to change that story now. Right. You know what I mean? I get to, I get to, to break the cycle and it's going to start with you. Right. And so, you know, and then that's what changed me from, from doing a lot of stuff. Like I, 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 you know, broke up with my chick because we were in a toxic relationship. A lot of it probably had to do with me, but I wasn't going to allow my daughter to, to be witness to a relationship that was like this, because that's just going to shape her into thinking that that's what relationships are like. So down the road, you know, her future self is going to get involved with somebody who's just like me. And then she's going to stick around because she's going to think that it's okay. Right. And so I'm trying to, build a better picture for her and you know i'd rather be in her being two happy homes than one miserable one because at least she's getting an idea of what what happiness is instead of misery right 
Man, that's, I don't know. Man, man, you fucking liar. You said you don't write. That shit could have been on cards. You just you just spit right there, dude. That was some, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a freestyle rap, but that was a fucking freestyle. That was beautiful. That was beautiful wording, dude. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Right. Cool, man. Well, I'll do it. Sean, I'll let you go, man. It was great getting to know you. Um, and just thank you so much for the time. I'm sorry. I sucked up your whole, uh, two hour slot. Hopefully you got enough no, time no, to use I the mean, bathroom. That, dude, that, that's <laughs> why I slotted it that way because I know my story is long. And so usually when I do an interview with somebody, you know, and I'm a guest on somebody else's show, I like to give it at least an hour and a half to two hours. Cause it just, you know, I, I can, I can be long winded. Right. I'm chatty as fuck, man. Yeah, no, it's, it, Good to hear, man. Um, it was it was interesting. Great insight. Great insight for me, especially um, not having all those kind of experiences, just trying to gain understanding and sympathy and empathy for people with addictions at, at the very least. And like, don't fucking shame. I think my message is like, dude, that shame shit really does not work. And the fucking system's broken. Jesus Christ. System's broken. All right. Oh, yeah. I won't go rambling on anymore. Sorry. <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> Thanks so much again for your time, Sean. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. If you you know if you need more, and want to do it again, uh, you know, there, or or find a different aspect of it that that you want more clarity, feel free to reach out, man. Sweet, I appreciate that, dude. Thanks so much. All right, man. All right, later. Thanks to Sean for his time and props to him for becoming so fucking productive with his mind and mentality. Um, If you're listening, be sure to hit him up if you want a motivational speaker for youth who are just going through the shit that he went through. Um, He's just trying to make a difference. Believe in my man. Thanks to Potts for making cooking in our kitchen so convenient. Please continue to friend, follow, listen, subscribe, rate, review the podcast on all the platforms where you listen to it and on all the social media sites, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram that we are found. Adios.